Well, Happy New Year, nearly. We almost made it. Had to shovel three times yesterday for Pete's sake. I kept thinking, it's over now. I'll go out and shovel. It's over now. No, it's over now. No, it's not. I don't know. Is it still snowing? I see some sunshine. That looks good. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> there are some things that we just can't explain to children. For instance, this diagram. <laughs> Think about the uh, difference between compression ignition and internal combustion. Anybody? Nobody cares. Okay. <laughs> Try to explain that to a five-year-old. Try to explain that to your wife. Hello. Okay. <laughs> it's like, who cares? Uh, and that's the biggest thing. Sometimes uh, the difference, uh, differences are, are very, very odd and very interesting. I, I found that interesting. I love this little picture. How about this? Can you explain the difference between a gable and a hip roof? Hip. No? Okay. <clears throat> Bone camp, want to come up here, explain it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. And it's difficult sometimes because sometimes it's hard to explain because people have very little concern about it. They don't really care. And often it's difficult to keep their attention like it is with me every Sunday morning. Jennifer got it. Okay, good. All right, it's good. <clears throat> But I want you to consider Christianity just for a second. Think about the Bible. Adam and Eve created. And they have a purpose. They've been put in the garden. And their purpose there is to glorify God through their obedience. One commandment. Don't eat of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. Don't eat that fruit of that tree. It's like, hmm. one commandment. <laughs> And we know the rest of the story, through their sin, death enters the world. Now, mankind is now indebted to God, and uh, we, we need a gift because we can't earn our way back into His good graces. We can't get back into a relationship with God. We can't do it on our own. And so there needs to be some, some sacrifice there needs to be some shedding of some blood. There needs to be an opportunity to return to that relationship with God. A ransom needs to be paid. <clears throat> you can afford it. Your blood isn't worthy. But Christ comes and he says, Now I will offer my blood. We gathered around this table this morning, remembered this great sacrifice. And because of this sacrifice, Christ now intercedes for us in the very presence of God. And he's, he's there acting as our high priest. Whoa, wait a second. All of a sudden you lost me. <laughs> do we have a high priest? We do. It's not like the Old Testament high priest. It's different. And Sometimes when we get to start explaining some of these things, he's, he's acting as this perfect mediator. He is, he is just like another man 
in our history. There's only one other man that's mentioned that's like our high priest. His name was Melchizedek. Can anybody spell it? I-T. No? Okay. No? Okay. Sorry. All right. <clears throat> Melchizedek. All of a sudden, you're like, I can see the, the eye rolls, and it's like, oh boy, here we go. Melchiz- Melchizedek who? <laughs> it's like, what? What are you talking about? And when we get to this conversation about being this prophet and this priest and this king, all wrapped up into one individual, there's only two people that are like that in, in history. One is Jesus and the other is Melchizedek. Now open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5. As we move into this new year, I want you to grow up. Robert? Ooh, Carson? No? Carson's shaking his head. Alana goes, nope. Angie says, I'm not growing up. I don't want to grow up. That's the thing. We don't want to. I see these little, is it a meme or a me-me? What is it? What is it? What is it? A meme. Okay. I, I don't even know what, it's like, what is that? A new word? We just make, about, make up words now? All right. This meme that says, uh, I'm, I'm through adulting for the day. Adulting? What? It's like, you don't have a choice. You don't have that choice. If you're an adult, you have to be an adult. But there's this meme that says that. I don't know. All right. I don't want to grow up. This is challenging information. This is spiritual growth. And like the Hebrew writer, possibly even a sermon, uh, this, these 13 chapters of Hebrews, but just like the Hebrew writer, he faces the same problem. It's a difficult topic. It's like explaining the difference between compression ignition and internal combustion. It's like explaining the difference between a gable roof and a, and a hip roof. It's like that becomes a difficult discussion. When I say he's prophet, priest, and king, just like Melchizedek, suddenly it becomes difficult. And then we say, I don't want to grow up. I'd just soon be ignorant of it. Now, when we move into the new year, I want us to grow spiritually. Now, listen up. Let's read this passage, beginning in verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 5. Concerning him, Melchizedek, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe, but solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. It's interesting to think about this Hebrew writer. Whoever he may be, this individual writes and he says, this is where his listeners are. His listeners have become what he describes as dull of hearing. Hmm. Instead of 
progressing in the Christian life, his readers have become spiritually sluggish, mentally lazy. Hmm. When you think about a lazy person, it's not that guy that came this morning and shoveled the walk so you can get in. It's not that guy, those guys. It's not the person that gets up and goes to work every day and in spite of how he feels or she feels, and it's like, these are not lazy people. Now, lazy listeners, dull of hearing. This is where the readers of this book, Hebrews, are. This being dull of hearing can be used of a person who has the imperceptive and lethargic nature of a stone. It's like talking to a stone fence. Anybody ever done that? And you know what I mean. There's people that when you talk to them, it's like, <laughs> any reaction would be great. Anything. Oh, no, there's no reaction. It's like talking to a stone fence. It's like talking to a stone. And this Hebrew writer explains, this is where they are. And we can think of it in our, in our day and age, <clears throat> when uh, Ohio State is holding on for dear life and Clemson comes back and wins the game. But at the same time, your wife is talking to you. <laughs> I, I'm guilty. I, don't, I, I remember sitting there listening and going, what would you just say? <laughs> I got nothing. I was kind of busy here. I was watching a game. And you want to talk to me? It's like, seriously, any other time. That's this Hebrew writer. He has this problem. And he says, <clears throat> I want you to hear this. And this idea of, of being dull of hearing, there must be reasons. There must be reasons why there's no progress. There's nothing that is, in, they're not improving at all. They're, they're sort of stuck. They're back there in, in neutral, and they're just kind of sitting there. And they're not growing. You see, as Christians, as the body of Christ, we need to grow. There needs to be progress. There needs to be something tangible. We can say, yes, we've made it from point A to point B. Now let's go from point B to point C. And over the period of time, we can look back and say, look how much I've grown. Look how much I've developed just like when you take pictures, family pictures. Uh, or, uh, uh, Heather and, and Alec gave me a gift for Christmas, and it was a, a, our family photo. And you look at that family photo and you say, wow, they've really grown. No offense, Alec. But it's like, <laughs> you think about that. You think about the, the progress that family photos have. And you look back and you kind of go, look at that little kid. Look, look at him now. Spiritually, the Hebrew writer says, you've become dull of hearing, it, and you should be progressing. You should be growing. What's the problem? Why is there no progress? Why are you in this situation that you're in? The Hebrew says, there's a couple of reasons that you're dull of hearing. Unable to understand. You need someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You need the basics you need milk is how he describes it here in Hebrews 5. He says, 
You need milk, not solid food. These elementary principles. <clears throat> it's like going back to grade school and learning the ABCs. You need to go back and have a solid foundation. But when I was younger, uh, when, we, when we left uh, to go to Bear Valley, the reason I went is I needed a better foundation. I was teaching class, and I was involved in the youth group and, and different things, and I was having people ask me questions, and as like kids were le- listening to me, and I needed to be able to teach them something, and so I went, and I got a foundation. I got some, some, sort of, some sort of foundation where I could have something to share. I remember one, one guy asked me uh, to go to, uh, I think it was Tomsk, Siberia. It's kind of like the parking lot today. <laughs> frozen tundra, I don't know. But it's like, he asked me to go to Tomsk, Siberia. I'm in a room full of preachers and room full of preacher students, and I'm sitting there, and I'm looking around the room, I'm going, why are you asking me? I'm nobody, I'm nothing. And so I got interested, and he started to try to promote that and try to recruit me to go to Tomsk, Siberia. And so I, I talked to my preacher at that time, and I said, you know, I'm thinking about going to Tomsk, Siberia. I like saying it, Tomsk. <laughs> it's got a K and S, I don't know. I think they need to buy a vowel. But it's, so I talked to the preacher and he says, what are you going to teach him? And I said, I, I, I don't know. The gospel, I don't know. You see, that was a great question. What are you going to teach him? You need to have some basic foundational information. You need to have the ABCs down pat. If you want to go on a mission trip, you better have something to teach him. You better have something in your bag of tricks, so to speak. You better have something. And this writer, he says, this is why... You're dull of teaching. You don't even know the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You see, they took the first steps. They had become Christians. They had submitted to the plan of God, and then they sat back and they said, okay, that's enough. And he he says, here's why. You ought to be teachers. You made this choice to become a Christian, and you know what it takes to become a Christian. You know what it means to be converted to Christ. Now, take that information and share that information with someone else. You ought to be teachers. For by this time, you should be able to explain the gospel to others. To say that a man was able to teach was the Greek way of saying that he had a real and mature grasp of a subject. You know, we don't send untrained individuals into the classroom. In fact, we should probably send them in armed (laughs) these days. But it's like, we don't send them in there with nothing. They go in after having studied for three or four years, maybe six years, and they go in and they say, here's what I'm going to teach. Here's how I'm going to teach. Here's what you have to do to teach. It's the same thing in our Christian life. He says, this is why 
you are dull of hearing. For by this time you ought to be teachers. You ought to be able to share the information you have, but you refuse to grow up. (laughs) You're accustomed to the word of righteousness. You're acquainted with it. You know it by experience. And because of that, you ought to be teachers. (laughs) And this is the life that everybody should want to choose. You should be able to offer the option. Here's good, here's evil, here's truth, here's a lie. Here's here's the information you need to succeed spiritually. Choose wisely. And where does that lead? Maturity. (laughs) Really, the word mature could possibly even be perfect. We hate to use that word. Because immediately you'll, you'll be thinking, well, I'm not perfect. No. That's not the word. The word is mature. Of course, you're not perfect. That's why we need a Savior. But the idea of fulfilling your purpose, of living up to your, uh, the maturity of, of what God expects from you, he says, you should have progressed into your spiritual life. He says, this is what I want to see out of you. He says, you want to be mature? You want to grow up? You want to start 2020 and look into, the, into this next year of opportunity and say, I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to grow spiritually. I'm going to mature. And he says, here's three things. Here's three steps to maturity. You ready? <laughs> Practice. (laughs) Uh, You want to be a good auto mechanic? Practice. Want to be a good carpenter? Practice. Want to be a good teacher? Practice. Want to be a good Christian? I don't want to grow up. Wait. Practice. It's the same thing. It's the same throughout This word is where we get our word exercise. We just ripped that off from the Greeks. But this word practice, that just means repetition, 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 practice, 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 and it carries the idea of discipline, the idea of doing this all the time. You want to be mature? Number one, practice. Then, number two, train your senses. You know, thinking about that this week, uh, we, I went over and we, we cooked this uh, prime rib for Christmas. And let me tell you, after about two hours of that in the oven, hmm, my senses were alerted. Hmm, that smells pretty good. I could recognize that smell. Brenda, or Chelsea had made uh, uh, rolls, Texas rolls. And we're like, they start out like these little blobs, and all of a sudden they turn into this. We're like, whoa, baby. Nothing like hot bread with butter. Don't use margarine. Stop using margarine. <laughs> but butter, oh, baby. Lather it on there. Mm, melt it on there. Slab of red meat. 
I had some green beans. I'm looking at that going, why is that on my plate? No, but it's like, <laughs> I had some green beans. And it's like my senses were alerted to all these smells, and it's such a comfortable time of year when all, that, all that's in the room. It's like, oh, yes, we can do that spiritually. When you train your senses, you start picking up on things, even simple things like how someone uses words. You know, there's people that call me, refer to me as the pastor. I'm immediately, I immediately know something about that person. I know something about them. My senses are trained. It's like I'm not the pastor, but I know something about your study habits. <laughs> Grow up. That's, and there's things like that. I can, I can sense things, and my, my senses are alerted just by some of the words that you use. And this idea of being trained. We get our English word gymnasium from that word trained. And this idea of having exercise and training the senses, it's a repetitive action that keeps going. And pretty soon you recognize and you're able to sense different things spiritually that you hadn't before. How do you do that? Go back to step one. Practice. <laughs> How do you get good at being a carpenter? How do you get good at being a mechanic? How do you get good at being a cook? You practice. Huh. And this leads to the third step. <clears throat> You're able to discern good and evil. Hmm. Well, I thought you weren't supposed to judge anybody. Don't judge. You know, people that have never read the Bible, they can quote that verse. Judge not. It's in the Bible, Matthew 7. But you know what that whole context of that chapter is? Hypocritical judgment. It's that beam in the eye kind of judgment. I'm a bank robber, and I've been a bank robber, and I'll continue to be a bank robber, and my son gets caught stealing a candy bar. And I judge him. That's the kind of judgment that's condemned. John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Judge with righteous judgment. What is that? I've got to be able to discern good and evil. You mean there's, there's a difference? You mean truth isn't relative? <laughs> you mean there's a body of information that tells me what God is pleased with and what he's displeased with? Huh? We've been teaching our kids the exact opposite for the last two generations. Whoops. That's a mistake. That's a major mistake. Then he says, I want you to grow up. I want you to be able to discern good and evil. There is a difference. It happened back in the time of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 5, and I believe it's verse 20. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Turn on the news for five seconds. And we see it happening. We see people saying it's okay to abort a baby. That's evil. It's not okay. It's never okay. That's a soul. They're crying out. They're crying out to God and they're saying, how long are you going to put up with this? 
as a nation, we're going to have to pay for those 60 million babies we've aborted since Roe v. Wade. 60 million? What kind of noise do you suppose that's making in God's ear? We better be able to discern good and evil. We better be able to tell you, tell another person, that's wrong, and here's why. This is what is true, and you need to conform to it. Not the other way around. Your ability to discriminate, to make a righteous judgment. You know, later today I'm going to get on an airplane and fly down and see my brother and a few other people <laughs> uh, down in Texas. But after 9-11, we came up with this brilliant idea. Let's, let's frisk everybody and take a shot of them, you know, x-ray them, you know. Let's turn that over to some bureaucratic government uh, group of people and let's see how that works. Interesting. You would think that the, the most notorious airport in the world would be Israel, Tel Aviv International. They don't have any body scanners. They don't make you take off your shoes, your belt, especially grandma. You know what they do? They look for a certain individual, a characteristic. Young, 18 to 30, traveling alone, Middle Eastern descent. Why would they do that? History. Then they approach those individuals and they begin asking them questions. They, they watch their body language. They listen to the answers. And of all the places to get on an airplane, Tel Aviv, one of the safest places to get on an airplane. Why? Those individuals have been trained to discern good and evil. <laughs> they can see it. They can see it in the response. They can look in the eyes of these individuals. They can hear the nervousness in their mouth, in their answers, and they say, wait a second, come with me, young man. <laughs> Step into my private room. Discernment. Interesting. Trained. Their senses are trained. We have a tendency to be unwilling to grow up. But because we look back in our history, we look back to this Hebrew writer, we look back and we say, what can I do to grow? What are some things that I can do personally as the new year approaches and we're a couple of days away and on Wednesday, here it comes. It's like 2020, practice. We even have a saying, practice makes perfect. Oh, I thought we didn't like using that word. No, practice makes perfect. Train your senses. Be able to discern good and evil. Steps one, two, and three. Don't become dull of hearing. My appeal, my appeal is identical to that of the Hebrew author. Become mature or Grow up. <laughs> it's time. It's past time. 
If you're sitting there going, well, I've been sitting here in the last 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 50 years. How long have you been in Bible class? How long have you been coming to Bible class and sermons? It's like, it's time. You do this by practice and training. Christians are never ready for our Father's business without practice and training. Please grow up. And maybe it begins with something as simple as just reading the Bible through. Just go back and be reminded of all those accounts, all that history. It's our history. Go back and read it. This year we've determined uh, to, to read the chronological Bible and, and go through it uh, and, and restudy it and work through that. Practice, practice, practice. Repetition, repetition, repetition. It's the best teacher. Keep, keep putting it in there. Keep growing. And when we do that, we become mature. If you're not a Christian, become a Christian. If you are, and, and you're still in that phase of, of the milk of the Word and just some basic information, okay, that's good. It's a great place to start as a baby. But if you've been here for five years or ten years or twenty years, fifty years, <coughs> and if you're as old as Mike, that was great. I love that one. That was great. These old men that are struggling to recover. Mike. That was great. I, I wish we had that recorded. <clears throat> but it's like, it's time. It's time to grow up and make 2020 a great year. Grow into your spiritual maturity and work toward that goal. And by this time next year, you can look back and say, look at the progress I've made. So if you're not a Christian, become one. If you are a Christian, grow up and keep growing because God expects progress. He wants you mature. He wants you to be able to discern good and evil. Whatever your situation is this morning, if it needs to be made public, 